everyone this is the fourth dimension and welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy i am she who is known as emma he, he is he who is known as mike and today we're going to talk about extremis and oh my goodness um i was extremely pleased with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean we'll get into the episode itself probably but um before we do we'll be housekeeping uh we've got an email from shane thomas friend of the show who uh, sent him some thoughts about oxygen uh he says given thin ice was a screed against the british empire and oxygen being a critique of capitalism is this shaping up to be the most left-wing series of doctor who ever at one point they talk about the workers union being a myth at times it feels like Stephen moffat has already left his show and been replaced by jeremy corbyn <laughs> The way earlier in the episode, Nardole said to the Doctor that he worried about him going on another trip, it was as if he was talking to an addict who was on the verge of indulging their vice again. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, it seemed at times that they were going for a Bill's claustrophobic angle, as she seemed especially uneasy getting in the spacesuit, but they never followed through in it. Either that or some of Pearl Mackey's performance didn't make much sense. Right. Yeah, yeah that uh, did seem like a, a bit of a thing, but, you know. Well, hmm. um... He says, uh, the Doctor got given a couple of great lines in this. You only see the true face of the universe when it's asking for your help. And do you know what's wrong with this universe? Everyone says it's not their fault. Well, it is. So what are you going to do about it? It's dialogue that could very easily be applied to the real world. Mm. Mm-hmm. My only potential criticism is how they handle the Doctor losing his sight. You may have already seen that Jamie Matheson planned to have the Doctor see again at the end, but Moffat decided to prolong it and weave it into the series' overall narrative. A lot depends on what happens in extremists, but there's a danger that how they uh, portray this could be unwittingly insulting to blind and partially sighted people. It's not that you can't have this as a storyline, you just have to take care not to make it a cheap gimmick. But that concern aside, another excellent episode from Matheson, it may be his best one yet. He's become one of the most reliable writers on the staff, and it has to be in the conversation for the future showrunner. I, th- I mean, we, we talked about that um, in, during Oxygen, that I think that if he if he works throughout the Chibnall era, mm-hmm. uh, however long and short that length, long or short that may be, I think um, he's got he's definitely got to be in the conversation. Mm, definitely. If he if he if he's turning in scripts like that consistently then yeah because that's how we that's how Steve Moffat became showrunner yeah I mean you know I think it's easy to forget sort of in the in the fact that now he's the showrunner he's he catches a lot of flack sort of maybe justifiably or unjustifiably we always used to look forward to the Moffat episode we thought mm. this is going to be the good one right so um yeah so uh, I mean I, I don't think it's entirely out the range of possibility yeah at all mm-hmm Oh, thank you very much for that, Shane. Uh, yes, Shane. We'll be hearing more from him, from Mr. Thomas at the end of the episode. So, yeah, also, I'm going to be nicking one of the things he said to me on Twitter for the show, so um, right. I'll give him a shout-out as we go through. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then, um, extremists. Yes, like as I say, I was extremely pleased. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, in, I had some trepidation going into this episode because hmm. all the all the way through, all the week through of the build-up to it, was people saying, ooh, it's a bit experimental, and, ooh, it's a bit different, and I was like, mm, is this a case of the lady doth protest too much? Mm. Um, is it, are we just sort of setting up for, oh, this is a bit different, and you might not, you know, my kids might not get it, or anything like this? Yeah. Are we sort of heading for a thing where, it, you know, a few people love it, everyone else hates it, and everyone is covering themselves in sackcloth and ashes, saying that the show is doomed? Um, but then the episode happened, and it blew me away this one it really mm. did yeah i really enjoyed it um mm. like you say yes it is pretty experimental especially in how it sort of turns out yeah. and um the, the the one thing that sort of left me 
um, feeling after the episode had finished was um, it doesn't like really feel like a part one. It feels more no. like a prologue. Yeah, it does. Yeah, uh, um, I, I think I think you're quite right there because I think you could, in theory, have had the little bit at the beginning with the doctor getting the email mm-hmm. um, as essentially the pre-credit scene of Pyramid at the end of the world. Yeah. But the, the fact that they've chosen to to have this, like you say, almost like a prologue episode, a set-up episode, mm-hmm. um, and but it doesn't drag like a set-up episode does. No. And I think I was really impressed by that. I think it's so easy to have these just be exposition dumps. Mm. and But this, it, although essentially that's exactly what it is, um, it doesn't feel that way. And I think it's amazing how different a tone this episode has compared to um, not only anything in, anything else that's uh, that's come so far in series 10 I think mm-hmm. almost back to the the only one I can think of that has this this feel about it is turn left yeah that, that, uh, that's fair I mean especially since um, the person who plays the Pope here actually appeared in turn left as well yeah he's, exactly uh, he's he's the fellow who gets uh, the jolly fellow who gets taken off to the internment camp mm. which is the thing that um, Shane mentioned to me because yeah. he spotted that I didn't at all and um, he said to me um, well then you could say that because this is a computer simulation mm-hmm. the computer's only got a certain amount of models yeah <laughs> so the bloke who's this you know they're just using the model of him for uh, the Pope which I said I'm going to steal that Shane he said fine so shout out to you Shane cheers for that one <laughs> Um, yes that's a nice little bit of extra thought that can go into it but um, yeah that is the that's the closest thing I can think of in terms of feel of this episode like how dark it went Mm. especially towards the end when the doctors in the Oval Office I thought I I was worried they were going to go to a place that I was slightly uncomfortable with Mm. but you know, because when he's talk- when he when the doctor's talking to Bill, I thought, "Are we going to end up in a sort of suicide is painless type, uh, yeah, type thing?" The sort of like memories at the uh, near the end of Amy's choice after Rory yeah. gets killed. You know, effectively, she and the doctor have this sort of suicide pact where they sort of drive a van into a house. Um, mm. But no, I mean, what what it's like about? I mean, often in sci-fi, you have. Mm these episodes where our heroes are caught in a virtual reality simulation. Yeah. Um, but very rarely we get the kind these types of episodes where it turns out that their heroes actually are the simulations. They're not actually... You sort of, like, expect that, you know, once it's all over, they'll, like, wake up within some sort of pod or something and find that the world's been taken over while they've been sleeping. Yeah. Um, but, no, the, the fact that our heroes throughout the bulk of this episode are actually the simulations and the simulation doctor actually sort of gets the message out to the real one which i thought was uh, quite clever i thought that was like a really sort of like interesting like twist like i say not something that often happens no not at all because i mean it gets mentioned in this episode but i suppose the prime apart from things like quantum leap if you want to go to one end of that example the other end of the example is of course star trek because they have the conceit of the holodeck yeah which of course gets mentioned here Mm -hmm. so they've kind of done every flavor of is in the holodeck but is not in the holodeck yeah that sort of thing um i was going to say there's a whole smorgasbord of those if you want to try all of those (laughs) ones but um um 
I'll tell you, in terms of like sort of doing something different with it, do you ever do you remember that episode of Voyager where they that other civilization finds the the partial records of like uh, of Voyager and um, they sort of recreate what they think the crew of Voyager were like, and they're all kind of hilarious evil double. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's sort of what it, it sort of reminded me of in terms of doing something different because mm-hmm. it, it's so easy to be just to have a holodeck episode in Star Trek and yeah, it was one of the most innovative thoughts they had in Voyager mm-hmm. out of not many of them um, <laughs> <laughs> to be frank but that's a whole no. other conversation mm-hmm. um, that's a whole other yeah, podcast they, yeah that's a whole other podcast that's a whole other kettle of fish but um, yeah that episode that's sort of again in tone mm-hmm what what they sort of did with this one the, you know but in Voyager they sort of stuck their tongue in the cheek a little bit and let them have a bit of fun and did something a bit different yeah whereas this one um it's i th- i think what what's brave about it is that Moffat kind of wrote this episode and kind of trust people to go with it mm-hmm. i mean there was some grumbling about oh it's too complicated but i didn't think it was at all i just i thought it was it is it was quite self-explanatory as it went through yeah i mean there's a if few I mean. yeah there's a few uh, moments where you sort of like stops the go well hang on how about this but it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like the the plot is too complex it's just sort of like some of the like narrative choices like say the tardis, TARDIS translation matrix yeah um things not like translate italian yeah yes things like that um but on the whole yeah it's it's pretty straightforward actually yeah i mean it's it's one of the things of uh, you, you, uh, having to pay attention to an episode is not synonymous with com- complicated as far as mm. i'm concerned yeah you know I, I think these these things are made to be watched with with a level of concentration for the 43 minutes that is on i think sort of putting these th- putting these episodes on in the background and then expecting to mm-hmm. to to be savvy with what's happened i think is a little bit not not what you can do with these with this series of Doctor Who and pretty much yeah. a lot of the ones that precede it. Um, so yeah, um, talking about a little bit out of character, I want to talk a little bit about Bill here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that ninety nine percent of it was good, um, but the only things that sort of grated at me, I mean, although she's a simulation, yeah, I don't want to see this bitch she lives with anymore. <laughs> God, fire this woman into the fucking sun. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't wish to denigrate the actress playing it. It's just how her character's written. But yeah. fuck me. That's... She is awful. Oh, my God. Like, she is, I mean, like, she's literally like the worst aspects of the previous Mother characters in Doctor Who. Just sort of distilled is. into this sort of test tube of a mare. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, she... She's horrendous. She's like she's she's almost like she's about a minute away from telling Bill to scrub the floor and being one of the wicked stepmothers from fucking Cinderella. You, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. But do you know what the the weird thing is? She she goes on this like rant. Oh, you know, I'm not allowing men in the house. But then you know, Bill's you know date to, comes out of the loo and she's like, all right. And it's like. What? What? <laughs> well, I think we're trying to we're doing all, we're t- tap dancing as all the thing that so you somehow has escaped her notice that Billy's gay. <sighs> oh, 
Yeah, I, 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 I can't believe I can't believe she's being written to be as irritating as we find her. I don't. I, I honestly, just don't understand why yeah. she's there. Yeah, I don't understand. Apart, yeah, I don't understand why she's being written so irritatingly. I mean, you, you'd hope for some slight change or growth as a character. You know, at least you know Camille Kaduri's Jackie got that much. Yeah, Even I mean, <clears throat> I don't even know this woman's name. Um, Moira, and only found that Moira, yes, having yeah. the, like, the subtitles on. Really, right. I mean, but uh, apart from that, it's like I don't fucking care. Well, I, I don't get it. That's yeah. what it's with me. I, I, I just do not understand why this woman is there, apart from to be, to to provide a couple of minutes of artificial annoyance to Bill. She's she's being antagonistic for no discernible reason. No, like I. D- I don't get it. I mean, like, when she took Bill in, I mean, has she always been this antagonistic towards her? You know, was this foisted upon her? Um, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand it, no. I mean, I think that's why it irritates me so much, is because she's so cartoonishly a, a mare, as you say, mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't seem to f- fulfil any purpose in the narrative as opposed to just be an ignorant foil for Bill, essentially. And unless that they sort of... I mean, I can't see it happening in the next couple of episodes because we've got this sort of de facto Mm three-parter coming up with Pyramid of the End of the World and then um, the the next one. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, although... And as well, I know she... At that point in the episode, this is part of the simulation. Yeah. But... um, So, I mean, you can take it with a pinch of salt there, but I just feel like... Unless we're going to see this woman and something relevant happens with her in episodes 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. then just fuck her off, mate. There's no yeah. point in her being there. Yeah. Now, I mean, she's such a satellite character. It's almost like, mm. what, why? She's like a bloody just, mosquito. Yeah. <laughs> just there for, like, or... artificial <sighs> aggravation, really. Yeah. It's just basically there to give Bill a problem. Mm-hmm. But she's not big enough a problem that the Doctor feels compelled to get involved or there's some great catharsis going to happen with her. Yeah. That is, is you know, like you say with, you know, Jackie is probably the best example of, you mm-hmm. know, moving from that antagonistic thing to where we end up at the end with, Jack, with Rose's story. Yeah. But, yeah, she just seems to be there to just take up two or three minutes of screen time being a right cow mm-hmm. and then buggering off. Yeah, I mean, she hasn't even met the Doctor. So, I no. mean, that why... Ugh. Anyway, can we move on from it before I have a rage Yeah, let's stroke? move on Yeah, before we stroke that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that, that was a big kind of irritation to mm-hmm. me and something that I don't really understand why you have to lumber Bill's character with it. I mean, it's not, not Pearl Mackey's fault at all. Yeah, no. She's been, you know, it's what she's been asked to do and she's doing it great, but, yeah, I don't understand it. Also, um, something that Shane kind of mentioned a bit in his oxygen thing, mm-hmm. one thing that kind of stu- stood out like a sore thumb to me is when Bill asked what CERN is. Hmm. Everyone knows what CERN is. Yeah. See, I don't know whether you could pass that off as being the simulation or what, but mm. come on. Well, it's more that, you know, the story needs someone to ask what CERN is yeah. for the kids at home who don't know what CERN is. Mm-hmm. But every, every, I, I would say if you're older than 21, yeah, 
I would be surprised if you didn't know what CERN is, yeah. especially if you were sort of cognizant when the Large Hadron Collider went live. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, Bill's like a teenager or anything. No. Yeah, she Which should. I should understand. Yeah, I mean, it, that's there really for the kiddies, like you say. Um, yeah. And, I, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, also the other parts where, you know, Nardle has to sort of, like... So you're very alien. Oh, oh, it's a shaft of lights coming from around the corner, about ten feet away. <laughs> yeah, like... I did, I've got to say, I, I did like. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the thing that Bill not knowing that the Doctor's blind, I feel like there's going to be a, like a reveal in, in pyramids in pyramid in the world where, mm-hmm. I mean, because like I say, Bill is sort of been given to us as this very kind of savvy character. Yeah. So if she doesn't turn around to him and say, "I know." I'm mm-hmm. not stupid. It's gonna kind of. I think that's gonna stick in my craw a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I'm, I'm sort of surprised that even with the artificial intelligence of the simulation, the bill would pick up on the fact that you know, not all is given these very sort of awkward info dumps. You know, the doctor's walking around in sunglasses. And I mean, he, like he does like fob her off a little bit when she asks about that. And he says, you know, in darkness we are revealed. You know, mm-hmm. and sort of like attempt to be cryptic, um, but it's like even even with this sort of artificial intelligence bill, how does she not at least put two and two together? And it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially as uh, I mean, again, we're going to have to sort of put this in a separate box mm-hmm. because a lot of this stuff happens in the simulation. Yeah, but you could, you know, it's and I think and obviously it's it's an accurate portrayal of these guys. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see how they sort of continue this on in Pyramid Into the World when obviously none of this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all, the, all that's real of uh, Extremis is the very beginning, you know, is the very beginning and the very end. And the bits so, of Missy in between, yeah. Yeah, and the bits of Missy in between. Oh, can we talk about the bits of Missy in between? Yeah. <gasps> that was so good. Yes. Oh, I mean... I've got a Michelle Gomez. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she's great. I mean, what I especially like is, you know, when she's sort of pleading for her life, you can tell she's choking on those words. Oh, I was like, you gaslighting bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all this thing about, you know, oh, you know, know, being a friend and I'll, you know, I'll behave, I'll be good, all this sort of thing. And you can look at, you know, the doctor's looking. The doctor's like, eat shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Those sequences were brilliant. I mean, especially since how they're peppered throughout the episode um and it's not like sort of they're out of order they they are sort of concurrent and it gives you a nice little break from the whole simulation bit um but there was so much to like from there i mean the scenery was great um you know when you've got noddle shows up you know dressed up in the robes and and he has river song's diary Mm. and he reads sort of like that passage which you, you have to like presume is like her last entry into the diary yeah, and then she, and then he sort of goes, you know, I have permission to kick your ass. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I mean, yes, it was. I mean, again, using that sort of dry, kind of laconic thing that Matt Lucas is very good at, mm-hmm. not only in those scenes, but also, like you say, the bits where he's trying to explain to the Doctor, can't, you know, like say, oh, it's a, sh-, you know, like you say, a shaft of like ten feet away, and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was really funny, and yeah. he's remarkably good at doing the. Like what I want to call the technobabble bits. Hmm. Yeah. He he put. I mean, when he's in the simulation explaining to Bill, kind of what 
what's happening in yeah. terms that she would be able to understand it in mm-hmm. you know the holodeck and grand theft auto and super mario brothers and all this sort of thing yeah um i mean shout out to nardol for being fully integrated with our <laughs> with <the> popular culture <laughs> um well i suppose he hasn't really had a lot to do all this time sitting around on earth looking after missy in the vault mm. um watched a lot of telly and played a lot of games it sounds like um <laughs> but yeah i thought that matt lucas kind of because it can come across as a blah, 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 mm-hmm. can't it? Just sort of like a big kind of load of stuff just coming yeah. out of someone's mouth. But I thought he pulled those off really well. Yeah, it, it's good. But I think the way he did it was so like he's also figuring it out for himself. So mm. he's 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 got the, like the the actual techno babble in his head, but he's simplifying it for Bill and the audience. But mm. he can like see it's like ticking over. I mean, especially when he goes the oh. Don't let me be right. Please don't let me be right. And he sort of reaches out beyond the projectors. Um, but I mean, I Matt Lucas is turning out to be an absolute bloody revelation here because I mean, even oh yeah, the bit, did, yeah. Even the bit where he's sort of like he's telling Bill to stay behind. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit patronising. Bill calls him out on it, but he he's like puts his foot down as he will with the doctor, and he says, you know, I'm here for your protection. You know, you you were talking to the one man who was licensed to kick the doctor's ass. Um, yeah. But Bill, to her credit, she just sort of like you'd think like normally she would like rebuke him even further and go, you know, I'm a fully grown woman, you don't have to tell me what to do. But she sort of goes, "You were secretly a badass." She's sort of yeah, like impressed. <laughs> She's sort of yeah. impressed by it because I mean, you know, to look at Matt Lucas, you know, if you just like just like look at him, like look at him, like, give him the once over, you wouldn't like pose him as any sort of threat but it's yeah. then followed up by the great bit where you know after she says you know you secretly about us and he sort of has this sort of swagger like, nothing so good about it baby doll and then he screams <laughs> when yeah find the body. i loved it that's just absolute spot on timing from yeah, Matt lucas I mean, yeah i mean that's what you get when you get a comedian essentially yeah. is that great timing mm-hmm. and um yeah he's like you say um he has been a revelation yeah. Um, and I think actually them sort of giving him to us in small doses mm-hmm. and then you get kind of just a big kind of chunky bits with Oxygen and Extremis and you probably the next couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that how they've balanced it has yes. been spot on so far. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I'd actually say this, but I'm legit looking forward to what he does next in the rest of the series. Oh, yes. How am I? Absolutely. Um, especially as one one portion of the mystery of the series ten has been solved, mm-hmm. in that obviously Missy in in some sort of not comatose state, she must have something to do in there because we've heard her playing the piano and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the doctor's obviously put a little activity center in there for her, or it's d- dimensionally transcendental in some way, and she's got um, space in there to do stuff. Um, yeah, so she must be cognizant in some way. Yeah. Um, but whether she's actually going to come and help, <laughs> I don't know. What the question that I'm sort of left with um, from the end of Extremists is not so much will she, is when. When yeah. is she going to get let okay. out of the cage? Because when you look at the next time trailer for um, Pyramid at the End of the World, she doesn't feature in it at all. So no. I'm kind of wondering whether they're holding her off for episode eight. Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of wondering that. 
But I mean, sort of, you sort of get the feeling that she probably will if it's advantageous Convenient. to her. Yeah. But well, I mean, or do the old master thing of sticking around with the enemy and then going, oh shit, they've double crossed me, or I'm going to be on the planet when they fuck it up. I better do something to help. Yeah. Which was usually what happened with the master and the third doctor. Mm-hmm. So you know why break the habit of a lifetime? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was one th- th- theory I'd uh, seen popping up around online, um, mm. which I thought was quite interesting. Um, some people were sort of like, saying that uh, they've spotted like a, a Delgado sort of lookalike hanging around on the set. So sort of right. one wonders whether... Obviously, we've got the John Sim Master appearing in some form. I'm still mm. sort of like thinking we're going to get a bit... It's going to get a bit Sherlock in and just be like a flashback or something. But what if, like, this is going to sound a bit timey-wimey, but what if Missy ends up regenerating into the Delgado incarnation? Well, I mean, it's not impossible because, well, I mean, from what we know of the Delgado incarnation and then Mm -hmm. the Ailey incarnation, the Delgado one is something like the 11th or 12th master. Yeah, it's not that from what we understand of of his timeline, mm-hmm. because obviously he's then all sort of crunchy and crispy when we see him in the Deadly Assassin, yeah. Um, because he's reached as well, reached the end of his life cycle, as they mm-hmm. say. So, and the only master isn't really a time lord because he's a mishmash of tree mass and other things, things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he, he, oh, you people have now have then theorised that the Delgado master is quite late on in the master's life cycle like i say somewhere around his 10th 11th 12th incarnation Mm -hmm. um so you know it's not necessarily these time you know they haven't necessarily met in order so you're quite right it could be that missy or that um the johnson master is much earlier on in his life Mm -hmm. cycle but then that now, I mean, because well, the John Sim Master has implied that it's after he's granted a new life cycle in the Five Doctors, or from the Time War, or from the Time War. Yeah. So yeah, it could still work out. I mean, oh yeah, they can make it work. Yeah, I mean, we we don't see John Sim's Master regenerate into Michelle Gomez, so you know, the last we see of John Sim's Master is him. Iron Man repulsoring Rassilon back into the Time War. Well, yeah, and being incarnated from a cauldron by some women in a prison. Yeah. Still so, <laughs> that is weird. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in a weird... <laughs> the Johnson Master, although he is the Master and so is, mm-hmm. um, you know, that body, the Derek Jacobi body is the Master. Yeah. He is a Time Lord. He has been granted another li- at least one other life cycle at some point. Mm-hmm. He might even be on his third one. If, like you say, he went through the whole... If that one he's given in the Five Doctors sticks... Hmm. Oh, well, did he even get that, though? Did he even get it? Yeah, because that's what I'm saying, because Five Lords promised him it. Yeah, but I don't think I've actually got it, because... Well, hmm. Because if I remember the Five Doctors correctly, basically he gets punched out by the Brigadier and then he disappears. So that that doesn't necessarily mean he was rewarded by the Time Lords... Oh, I doubt it because yeah. um, he didn't really you know, complete the mission. No, he, and I, you know everything was kind of fixed by the time he would have turned up and asked for it. So I expect they told him to piss off. Yeah. So yeah. Um, even if they were going to give him one anyway, you know. Yeah, and obviously what we see of him in 
um, the TV movie is a bit questionable. Yeah. Although, again, the TV movie rears its head in the in a time lord being executed. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, go on. Go nice, on. nice Sorry. cheeky, nice cheeky little Sorry. reference to the TV. Sorry, nice cheeky little yes. TV ref, uh, reference to the TV movie there, who says uh, um, the guy in charge of the planet of executioners says uh, barring yeah. relapses. <laughs> Which I thought was, I was like, oh, nice. Yeah, oh, so good. I mean, because obviously he knew all the nerds would be going, oh, executed again, not by the Daleks, whack, whack. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, because Chuck said to me, so why is she being executed? I was like, well, pick a reason. Yeah. You know, I, I expect she's pissed someone off sufficiently to, <laughs> to warrant being executed. Yeah, do you want um, the longest I'm... or the longer list? Yes, well, exactly. I've got to say, though, I mean, I know we talked about how great she was, but my favourite, favourite, favourite bit is when she sort of says to the doctor, oh, all right, like, I thought you retired. Mm-hmm. And he just, she, you know, she just looks at him and then he says, she says, my condolences. Yeah. Which, to be honest, I think is authentic. Yeah, I think that was legit. I don't feel like she's fucking around with that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the, the bit when she sort of, like, realises, you know, after she said, you know, I'd, I'd heard from the Daleks, from the Daleks, let's yep. remember. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck are the dogs giving? Well, I mean, well, the last well, time we saw her, really, she'd been knocking around with them, hadn't she? Well, yeah, that's true. She got ex- exterminated in inverted commas. Yeah, that's true. But I sort of like knows the fact that dogs are keeping like tabs on the Doctor and Derillium. So, like the Supreme Dog said, "What is the Doctor doing today?" And one dog looks at the screen and goes, "Ah, uh, that is me- that is messed up." <laughs> like, He's um, down the shops. Yeah, you know. Like... He's just getting some milk or something I, from no, that's, that's not quite what I was thinking, but sure. No, I'm, I, know what, no I know what you're saying. <laughs> Leave that for the grown-ups in the audience. <laughs> it's just that thought. Oh, God. But anyway, yes, getting back to Missy. Um, yeah. When she says, oh, when she realises, when the Doctor doesn't like answer her about um, domestic bliss and trivillium, you think there's going to be some sort of like, snide comment coming. But when mm. she actually, like you say, when she does say my condolences, you know, she genuinely means it. Yeah, I do. I, I, I just feel like with those two, they have a, they have an odd chemistry. I feel like it's kind like of not not a, a sexy chemistry, if you will. Mm-hmm. But like when they're together, I don't know what it is about them, but they mm. just have a thing. Yeah, big about in Michelle Gomez. That just their relationship. I mean, obviously, because it's a man and a woman now, not two blokes. Yeah. I think it sort of has a, a different dimension to it now as well. Yeah. Um, that I don't know. I've, I've just you, you sort of pick up on is like it's not like say it's not like a sexual thing. It's just like a, a ooh thing. I'm not quite sure what it is, but they they yeah. play it off really well. I wouldn't say um, like the, the word that sort of popped into my head. I don't know if it's right. It's sort of like flirty, but not quite. It's yeah. sort of like hate flirt. Yeah, it's sort of like two exes who sort of they hate each other's guts, but mm. still there's... there's a lot of energy between them still. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I weird, mean, that's really. the thing. And you're talking about it in terms of relationship, you know, the fact that the doctor prevents her being executed mm-hmm. and pledges to guard it. They can't let each other go. No. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, TV tropes puts it right. She has Joker immunity. You oh know, yeah, she does. Because I mean, for all the absolute shit the Joker does, Batman still will not refuse. Will still refuse to kill him. Kill him. Always just put get put away in Arkham Asylum. Sort of knowing that he'll get out, and wreak more havoc. 
and the Joker often sort of brings it up, you know, how many times do we see it? And he sort of like, sort of like says like the two sides of the same coin, you know, they can't live without each other. And that's exactly true of the Doctor and the Master. You yeah. know, they're not, you know, the best of buds, they probably were once long and long ago. Um, but, you know, I mean, that one time in Planet of Fire aside, how often do you see the Doctor trying to like put the Master down? No, well, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, because it's not even a case of it's just those two anymore. Mm. That the fact that she is the la- she is the only other one. I yeah. mean, the, the Time Lords do exist in in a strange way. I mean, like you say, like the the fella at the beginning says, you know, your people are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, they exist. Yeah. But you know, so it's not the case of he's you know the truly the lone wanderer anymore. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, those two, they they just they they can't seem to let each other go, and I think that 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 aspect of that relationship is is, is, is I say, I mean, I don't know, like I say, because you get that kind of man and woman thing between them, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, especially the way that Peter Capaldi chooses to to articulate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's so kind of fundamental that they just they they can't you know f- fully fully f- follow through with the with uh, ending it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say that thing with with Batman you mentioned that <laughs> is exploited. That idea is exploited hilariously in the Lego Batman movie. If you've never seen it, <laughs> it's <laughs> one of the cleverest things that film does. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the pop culture references because we've talked a little bit as the whole series has gone on about it's taking little bits from pop culture here and there and other films and mm-hmm. and um to agree you can't you can't avoid it some ways but this one i feel really kind of wore its kind of magpie i you know yeah. uh, thing of taking from pop culture um re- really on its sleeve because mm-hmm. obviously with with the setting you have the pope and cern mm-hmm. i mean that's basically <laughs> well that's the setting of um angels and demons the yeah. the dan brown book slash novel yeah no book slash film not book slash novel um you know so i mean you've got that whole thing of you know the what's meant to be in the in the vatican library yeah um i was gonna say if you want if for someone like me who's a big nerd about conspiracy theories and weird history and stuff like that this one was absolutely my bread and butter because you've got stuff about what's really in the vatican library which Mm -hmm. is subject to a bazillion different very strange conspiracy theories (laughs) the female pope thing yeah um that is um you know obviously apart from the you know the doctor would have shagged her wouldn't he um but um (laughs) of course he has uh but um it's thing about this whole idea of uh the pope joan story i don't know if Mm. you've ever heard that Um, i've heard them yeah yeah, they're basically this this uh, this uh, legend, I suppose, is the best way to put it. The first recorded instance of it is 1099. I believe, looking at the wiki page, the Pope Benedict she wasn't Benedict the the ninth. I mean, she was Pope John to Pope Joan when they found yeah. out she was a woman um, in 1045. So it's sort of the same kind of historical thing. The idea is that this woman uh, pretended to be a man, uh, made her way up the the va- the ranks in the holy roman uh, in the holy roman empire in the catholic church um eventually became a cardinal then was nominated pope was um you know everything was going fine then she mounted a horse 
accidentally gave birth. At which okay. point the crowd, the outraged crowd, dragged her off her horse, beat her to death. Oh, lovely. Um, so there ends the story of Pope Joan. And it's been kind of told in apocryphal stories. And this was, she was at one point thought that it was thought to exist that there were many, you know, more than one female mm-hmm. pope. Um, but uh, it's been largely discredited. They can't really find any uh, uh, proper... Um, what do you call it? Evidence records, for it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably proper records or anything like that. So one that remains entirely apocryphal, mm-hmm. but I thought again, was really interesting that it even ended up in Dr. Who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, all the, all the weird conspiracy theories about CERN and the over office and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did see a couple, I did see one person saying, Oh, look, they killed Trump. Can I just say, oh. <laughs> Don't say I've said many things. A lot of us have said many things about Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the most neutral way possible, he's a very unique-looking individual. Yeah, that's that tr- man looked nothing like no. Trump. No. So no. put your fake outrage back in the box, my darlings. It just a random dude. Yeah, and uh, you know if if they were gonna like. Make it Trump. They'd have gone for the jugular. I, I no doubt <laughs> they wouldn't have yeah, like, danced around it. Yeah, if it was meant to be Trump, it. yes, they wouldn't have danced around it. Yeah, he would have had you know bright orange hands, bright orange hair. <laughs> there would have been no two ways about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think I read there was an interview with Stephen Moffat in the Radio Times. Um, I don't know whether there was any like talk of maybe the president being female because obviously this, yeah. this was written before the election in the states. Um, so I don't know what would have happened if Hillary Clinton had uh, won the presidency, whether they would have gone with a female one, or whether they just would have just like skirted around the issue altogether and just kept it as like a generic male. Yeah, I mean, because actually that raises quite an interesting point of continuity. Because if we go back to Knock Knock, mm-hmm. the list of pro- you know when the Doctor asks uh, the landlord who is the Prime Minister, yeah, and he reels off the list. The only person who wasn't who in that list that wasn't real in the real world was Harriet Jones. Yeah. Everyone else on that list, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, you know, was, was once a prime minister of this country. Yeah. So it sort of, in, it brings up an interesting thing of, although in Dr. Who world, everyone apart from Harriet Jones, who's been prime minister in, in real life has been prime minister in the fictional un- Doctor Who universe. Mm-hmm. But we don't, I mean, obviously we know Nixon yeah. was in office when, in, when incomparably where he was to, um, in our universe, but we don't know really anything post Nixon, do we? Um, I think uh, obviously George W. Bush might have been inferred because if you remember the Christmas mm-hmm. invasion, Harriet yeah. Jones says, you know, tell the president, you know, I'm not going to war over this. Um, I've been trying yeah. to remember um, the sound of drums. Yeah. Because. Oh yes, because was, it, it, was, was it the they president? Had yes, it was it president Obama-like, wasn't it? No, wasn't the president though? I'm, I'm trying to remember who that actually had um, there on on cloud base to meet the Toclophane. Because they said he—he he was, he was just a bloke, wasn't he? He wasn't like Obama. He was just like a, was just a, a, sort of a generic a, man, a bloke. bloke. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. look it up real quick because that's actually really yeah. bothering me. Because I don't know. I want to say like it was supposed to be the president, but because don't they? I think they refer to him as the president-elect. 
<sighs> God, I can't. No, it was President Winters. Yes, it was President Winters. It was, yeah. Yes, um, you're right. President of the United States, circa spring 2008. Oh, so he would have been elected instead of Obama, is what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, when meeting the toggle fane, Winters referred to himself as the president-elect, suggesting he recently won an election but had not yet been sworn in. Yeah, so he shouldn't have been there at all. Really. I remember no. this was a point. Of, this was a point of order when this happened because obviously the president elect doesn't then go off and start doing foreign visits and all this sort of thing. Mm. Um, it would still be the president who does that until the day he's then, you know, he's not the president anymore, which is usually about the twentieth of January the next year, isn't it? Yes. So um, he should have been there. It should have been um, Bush. Bush. Bush alike, yeah. But I feel like, because well, in the episode, no, you're right, because, no, you're right, yeah. So, um, yeah, it is Winters, isn't it? And then yeah. he's... He gets murdered. And then he's moided, yeah. Moided, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, unless, well, I suppose, because you don't know who his running mate was at the time, so... No, because then... It the vice president, whoever his vice president vice... nominee would be, would be the president? Yeah, so it could arguably have been winters obama 2008 yeah so and then uh, obama yeah it could have been yeah i don't know interesting Um, but it's 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 interesting how dr hughes like strays away from like the u.s side of politics but when it comes to like i mean obviously because it is a british based show yeah um but how it's a lot more like clear cut on like the British side of politics, because obviously, I mean, if you remember, uh, it was the the brigadier referred to the prime minister as mom. Yeah. In in one uh, episode back in the seventh, I think it was even before Margaret. It was Thatcher. before Thatcher. Yeah. yeah. So. But not. But actually, sort of freakishly, kind of only. It was a case of it was when it by the time it was transmitted, we we're only kind of months away from Thatcher being uh, being elected. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. One of those prescient ones. Yeah. So I just, I just, it's, it's interesting. Like, like I say, how Doctor Who's sort of when it comes to like the Prime Minister, it involves our history a lot closer than it mm. does with the US one because you think they would sort of like be like you'd have like fictional Prime Ministers in there as well rather than just Harriet Jones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas we've got like two successive. Um, fictional U.S. presidents back to back. Yeah, in in theory, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be interested actually, because um, from what little bit I know about end of the world, we could actually end up seeing someone from the American government in it. That's um, true. Yeah. So could it be that the person you know who we only saw from the back mm-hmm. um, in in the fake White House is actually going to turn up for realsies? And that's certainly you know, possible. Yeah. It's certainly possible, or I mean, if not in this episode, maybe the next, because mm-hmm. they are kind of spiritually interlinked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see who turns up, and I mean, because obviously it's neither of the people who would have could would have could have been president when yeah. they were writing this. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how they do it. Um, yeah, because like you say, I'm because uh, you're right that they sort of obviously stick to British politics fairly slavishly because it's a mm-hmm. British production. So, yeah. I mean, well, that's why the president-elect turns up when he should have been nowhere no, near. No, he shouldn't have been there. <laughs> no. Well, that, because... that never occurred to me, actually, until sort of now. It's like, no, hang on. <laughs> no, I remember it was a point of order at the time. Mm. Uh, it was obviously a, a, um, 
because America dominates the news, yeah. the world news everywhere so much. British people, uh, or most people, have sort of a fairly, fairly good grasp of how. Well, not mm. exactly how the electrical college works. No one knows how that works. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but how sort of the order of succession works mm-hmm. and who's who, who's meant to be at what when and things like that. So yeah, yeah. people sort of realised that was that was a boo boo when that happened at the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, but that's uh, that's a um, an interesting thought experiment. Anyway, yeah. Um, Where were we? Well, <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to say I do want to uh, turn yeah. to pop culture. I want yeah. to do one more shout out yeah. to the Doctor Cussing Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> well, actually, well, I was reading up on that, and um, apparently that was something from like a Seventh Doctor sort of like prose story. And he like said right. to Ace one time, he tried to read uh, Moby Dick several times, but he couldn't get past the tenth page. <laughs> I'll tell you the one I can't. I've never been able to get past the tenth page. Bloody Wuthering Heights. Mm. Oh. I don't even like the song. Never mind the book. <gasps> no, I won't hear a word against Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I, I was going to say, I just enjoyed it about all the pop, yeah. cult, pop culture stuff. I mean, I, it always makes me sort of smile. I don't know why. Um, but I particularly enjoyed it, especially the dorky little conspiracy nerd in me mm-hmm. was like, oh, let me tell you all about Pope Joan Chuck. And he was like, no, I've got to go make some <laughs> <laughs> and his eyes just sort of start glazing over. So, mm. um... <laughs> um, so I want to bring something about the monks. Yes, they don't have eyes. They don't have no. noses. No, and they only move. They only open their mouths. Their they, their lips don't actually form like words like you or I do. No. What other Doctor Who monster does that? Well, yes, I did see that quite a few people have got on this path of our lovely chums are Cybermen. Hmm. It's mm. not out of the realm of possibility, necessarily. No, it's not. I mean, but I don't know why they would have gone for these sort of nice uh, sort of Nana's Curtains robes they've got going on. Well, unless, I mean, obviously the in terms of the television canon, we've never mm. really had the Mondasians history explored apart from the fact that no that's true apart from at one point you know Mondas moved away out of like the solar system and they had to convert themselves into Cybermen so who knows I mean this could be another secret origin of the Cybermen we don't know I mean we do know the Mondasian Cybermen are back at the end of the series it's a long shot I'll admit I, you know what? I don't think it's outside the world of possibility. From what we know about Mondas, like you say, it being sort of thrown out of its orbit and kind of sent off to... Because it's Earth twin, isn't it? Mo- right, I always get yeah. the uh, Telos on Mondas bits mixed up. So Mondas is Earth twin. Yeah. And Mondas gets flung out into the solar system from some sort of cosmic wang-dang doodle. Yeah. And as a result, the people on this on Mondas have to start replacing bits of themselves to deal with the different extremes of environment Mm -hmm. and eventually become the Cybermen. Yeah. That's basically the idea of it. I don't know. I mean, I think the sort of semi-official history, David Banks did that history of the Cybermen. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, if you can't get to sleep, (laughs) spend a couple of quid on that audio book because you will be out like, it's the (laughs) best cure for insomnia I've ever (laughs) <laughs> no, no disrespect to David Banks. A lovely no. chap. I met him, mm. but um, yeah, that book is a bit dry. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's that is essentially the idea of 
what happened to the Mondasian Cybermen, which is the ones who talked like this and um, yes. to open open and close their mouths at odd times, and the ones you see right at the early days of mm-hmm. uh, of the Cybermans. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility. What if these guys have turned up from Mondas? I mean, because in that clip at the end of Pyramid, of the end, that Pyramid End of the World clip, mm-hmm. that that fella says to the doctor you know in the end they'll ask to be invaded yeah so what you if they're gonna like offer? us yes you will become like us mm-hmm. and Resistance you've got futile. yeah and you've got um from some of the productions though and i think actually the next time trailer do you see people with some sort of glowing like fiber optic like cables um like grabbing hold of them so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, I think he's a good shout. I think that's, um, you know, if we're going to go down the origins of the Cybermen, I mean, why not? Because the, the whole idea of what happened to Mondas is pretty sketchy. Mm-hmm. It's only pretty basically sketched in. So yeah. why not go down a different route and, and separate them from the Telosian Cybermen? Yeah. Uh, sort of definitively. Mm-hmm. No, you never know. No, I think that's a good shout. I mean, I'm, I'm... So intrigued to see what happens in the next couple of episodes because yeah. they've got a lot of a lot of big things they need to sort out. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, again, we haven't really talked about it very much, but the, the obviously the ongoing thing of the Doctor's blindness. How are they going to fix the hat? Because yeah. obviously we had this idea of a temporary fix of him borrowing from other regenerations, mm-hmm. sort of at the risk of his other regenerations also being blind or not even being able to generate at all or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so obviously, but that happened in the in the simulation, not mm-hmm. in the real world. But you can't you can't think that this hasn't occurred to the actual Doctor if it's occurred to the simulation Doctor. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we sort of both assumed that somehow it was going to get fixed in this episode, yeah. and it, it does to a degree. But like I guess, like we say, it doesn't happen for realsies. No. So it's it'll be interesting. Like, will the Doctor attempt this as well? Um, mm. But also, there's, there's still the question of the one shot in the trailer where you see the Doctor regenerating. Mm. So, who knows? Could this like be done through that means? So, like another you know, like uh, meta crisis sort of style regeneration, like the tenth Doctor did mm. um, back in the end of series four. Um, we, we don't. It's it's. I'm legitimately sort of like curious as to how they're actually going to undo this because at some point, like we say, it it kind of has to be addressed at least. I um, mean, because isn't it interesting how they've moved the narrative onwards? Because obviously the fir- the big focus of the first six episodes is what's in the vault, who's mm-hmm. in the vault, blah blah blah. They answered that, mm-hmm. and I think a, cu- a couple of people I saw on my thing were like, "Oh, is that? It? Uh, but you know, it doesn't matter anymore." Blah blah blah. I entirely disagree. The vault still matters. We don't know what state she's in yeah. and what's going on in there. There's still a lot of questions about the vault fundamentally, yeah. but um, we've kind of said, right, okay, we resolved that, but we've opened up this whole other pandora's box of problems with it mm. so the what was in the vault was kind of not secondary but not as important as earth, it was made earth shattering. yeah exactly yeah because i mean like obviously we said well gotta be missy in there and it, they didn't really sort of leave it guessing as such it's, well, it's i mean to be well, honest we haven't mm. actually seen in there yet yeah that's true that's true. I mean, we we don't really know. I mean, we can sort of like presume that 
the sort of slightly crazy haired Missy is the one we'll meet inside the vault. Mm. But again, I mean, they've they've really sort of been very cagey about it. Even so, like though, like the main question is obvious. It's more so like the incidental questions that crop up around it. Mm. That sort of like they're taking the center stage now. It's not so much who's in the vault. It's like more like when is she going to get released? What sort of state of mind is she in? Because remember, she's not dead. She mm. it was at best sort of like having a kip when they put her in there. Yeah, like some sort of coba or something. Yeah, and you know, obviously she's got like a piano, and the doctor often like pops in occasionally for you know the odd visit with a takeaway, but. We don't know what that's doing to her state of mind. She could be bored out of her skull. She could be even crazier than she was before. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, I feel like there's still a lot to unpack with the vault. Mm -hmm. We've just been given the basics. So I'm not prepared to go, oh, the vault was pointless, like I've seen a few people do. Yeah. So I I feel like you can take a chill pill with that one. Yeah, there's another question that actually pops into my head, thinking about the vault. The doctor says he's going to guard it for a thousand years. Now... We've only assumed that he's been guarding the the vault for 50 to 70 odd years, but that's on Earth. So what if he's been taking it around yeah, with him? Yeah, he could have so been, been around doing, with it. Yeah. yeah, he could have been doing this for a lot longer than we originally assumed. Because the the, the, the time he spent guarding the vault on Earth has just been on Earth. You know, and again, like, if you're going to... If you've got this, like, vault, which one of the most dangerous people the Doctor knows inside of it, you know, why would you take it to Earth? You you know, like, why why wouldn't he become a hermit on some asteroid or something Mm. to keep it out of the reach of external forces or, you know, God forbid, you know, Missy attempting to break out? You know, why, why would you put it on Earth? Well, I mean, interestingly, I mean, coming back to one of, again, we're coming back to one of Shane's points about that addiction the Doctor has almost Mm -hmm. about um, seeking out um, situations like this. Um, It's something I'm sure we we talked about before, this idea that the Doctor is addicted in some way. And actually, Mm -hmm. this sort of, when when, um, um, Jenna Louise Coleman was in the show, this sort of odd codependence they developed. Yeah. Um, with uh, this sort of reckless sort of approach to what was happening, so I think that it's entirely, it's entirely legitimate to think of the Doctor in 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 terms of an addict, mm-hmm. and you can't trust an addict to not put themselves in a situation that's going to make their addiction worse. Yeah. So when you're, you know, you've made this solemn pledge or zero to the Pridorian uh, time rule, the Pridorian chapter. Mm-hmm. But you're going to take it somewhere you set yourself up to fail. Yeah. And that's Earth. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's just, that's just him. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to bring up about extremists? Uh, no, I think I've, uh, I think I've covered everything I want to cover. So should we move on to a bit, little bit of feedback that we got? Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to Mr. Shane Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. he shared a few more thoughts about, uh, this episode, he says, in terms of tone and pacing, this felt like Moffat was writing an episode of Sherlock, an unsolvable mystery that gets solved right at the end. Um, mm-hmm. He also says, whatever the equivalent of cock blocking is for lesbians, it seems that's what the Doctor is for Bill, as he enjoyed the date with Penny. Now, actually, sorry, there's one more thing I want to bring up. Yeah. At the end, after he got the email from himself in the simulation, what I really loved was 
the fact that he took the time to ring Bill and say, hey, do you know this girl called Penny? And she says, yeah. Yeah, I love and, that, yeah. And he sort of like tells her to go out on a date with her, at least that, because yeah. God knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, I love that. I thought that was great. That was a really nice... T- and I think it's, I think it's especially sort of remarkable considering um, the 12th Doctor in previous seasons. I mean, especially Series 8... Um, because, you know, when, like, Time Heist, um, when he comes to pick up Clara f- for the for the job, you know, and she's, like, saying, how, how do I look? And he goes, why is your face all coloured in? You know, it, mm. it, he's he's definitely, like, matured a bit. And I think, like, the, yeah. the 24 years under William the River song certainly, sort of, like, helped that. Oh, and the 70 to 100-odd years he spent on Earth, I think, yeah. probably isn't isn't not helping him, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's sort of like remarkable when you think, like, where he was before to now, and he's basically just saying, go to her. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I thought I, that was really, really lovely. Yeah, that was Adorable. really... Yeah, really yeah. awesome piece. Really awesome bit. And a, an excellent show. Um, Chain goes on to mention, why doesn't the TARDIS uh, translate the Pope speaking Italian to the monk simulation not account for the TARDIS uh, translation matrix? Um, we sort of, like, touched on that, but also, yeah, I think... I think so. I think it's also for a bit of like comedy Pope because obviously yeah. the bit where he bursts in <laughs> on Bill and Penny. <laughs> um, and, you know, the the fact that, you know, there's, there's two girls there chatting about maybe possibly sort of having a relationship. If you sort of like the, the Italian is speaking, like nothing, he, the, the, basic, the, the only sort of um, recognition he gives the two, he says, you know, who are you girls? Because he's basically going like, where are we? What's going on? I thought it was going back to the Vatican. You know, it's bigger yeah. on the inside. Doctor, what the hell's going on? Um, so, yeah, I, I, that, I like that. And, um, I mean, you could say, yes, it's, like, limitation of the the simulation. Mm. But then you have to sort of, like, think, well, if that's the case, then how can the Doctor use the sunglasses to send an, an email outside the, the simulation to the real Doctor? So it's, it's sort of, like, one of those things you sort of, like... Yeah, you have you have to sort of like look, you know, yeah. it's TV. You have to kind of give it a little bit of mm-hmm. of latitude, I think. And like you say, it's the thing of again, we'll talk about Star Trek. It never, it only sort of selectively translating Klingon. Yeah, exactly. You know, Picard can shout Merrid all he likes, and no one, you know, wants to know what that means. So um, yeah, I think you just have to give it a little bit of latitude with that one. Mm-hmm. Um. Shane also goes on to say, in Extremist, the world was practiced for the villains to invade Earth. The episode itself felt like a practice for Stephen Moffat to write a real alien invasion story, which I assume we'll be getting in the period with the end of the world. Um, I, I kind of agree on that. I mean, mm. not, not so much practice for Stephen Moffat, but I did like the, the conceit that the monks are just doing some test runs. Well, I mean, they're doing what armed forces do on planet Earth. That mm-hmm. They don't they don't go into a place well they're not meant to just go into a place like completely untrained they train for different scenarios they train for the urban environment the mm-hmm. the uh the rural environment the the forest the the, the you know the arctic yeah. the, you know this is why they they train for these things so they're training mm-hmm. it makes sense yeah um finally he says i found it tough to grade this episode because we often remember how it, uh, because often how we remember two parts is how it ends rather than what happened in the first episode um yeah, I, I kind of think maybe uh, this this episode will kind of stand and fall on how the rest of this like arc plays out. 
but I think you can still it still sort of like stands alone enough. I think yeah, you can it's like actually your your it. idea of it. Yeah, I think for you as you like to say your idea of this is prologue. Yes. I think that it sort of it nicely it gives us a, an instant except but it also sort of nicely insulates itself from any problems they pre the following episodes might have. So I think mm-hmm. that although even if you know in in the chance that Pyramid End of the World is a complete dog, I don't feel like it's going to sort of retroactively ruin this one for me. No. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, feel yeah. like it's it's kind of, like I say it's kind of a part enough that. I, I feel like it would it's all right still like I say the whole the central thing of the veritas is kind of compelling enough mm-hmm. um and this imagery you know like all the scientists are certain about to but because i thought they were about they were drinking something poisoned i thought they played play jonestown themselves yeah but um you know so I, yeah uh, I mean, you know yeah that's what that's one of those sort of like one of those tiny little like quibbles you sort of like have about those episodes where the hell do they have all that dynamite and why would you have it yeah. near like a large hadron collider i would have thought if anything the countdown on the clock was they were going to overload the hadron collider so, and yeah. yeah and use that to take themselves out rather than have sticks of dynamite yeah, I suppose because I think I think because they're in because that's why I was kind of surprised about this episode, like how mm-hmm. you know, like I was saying about the suicide is painless thing. Yeah. Um, you know, because obviously we've in you know in in the world in the world world of experience, we have an understanding. I mean, like I say, Jonestown being the most infamous one, mm-hmm. um, Heaven's Gate being one as well. Things of mass suicides. Yeah. Um, and so like. I I feel like there were people tutting about what they could and couldn't imply with people killing themselves. Mm. I think they were skating close to it with the president overdosing on pills. Yeah. Um, the I was gonna say I did think they were gonna have sort of cyanide booze essentially. I thought they would like mm-hmm. say Jonestown infamously the the poison flavor aid. Um, yeah. So I I wondered if they were gonna go down the thing of they were gonna drink something and and die. Mm-hmm. So I think to be honest, the reason why they had this sort of comedy, they might as well have had like one of those big black, you know, like in Hannah Barbera things, like <laughs> there's bomb written on it. Yeah. Um so just have these things sticks of dynamite because it's not like someone can go, Oh yeah, I can go and drink that or take these pills and die. Yeah. It's it's um it's kind of like a co- not a comedy version of a mass suicide, but this whole kind of otherworldly thing that it's yeah. not like something you could gen- you could genuinely do if you see what i mean this yeah, whole idea the, the bbfc twisted. it's twisted but i think the bbfc and the censorship thing they're very very hot on things that you can imitate or they think mm-hmm. that people can imitate especially like we us being charles the children of the 80s and 90s you know we grew up with teenage mutant hero turtles not ninjas yeah. because everyone thought that nin- do people because de- having people doing ninja shit on telly everyone's gonna go look how cool that is and try and do it and kill themselves yeah um you know so it's it's a it's a hot button topic in this country to this day mm-hmm. so that's why i feel like you know although it's stupid yeah this sort of dynamite thing you can't get dynamite and strap it to the table and set you know then set it off and see what it does if you see what i mean yeah I mean, that's actually, yeah, I remember watching uh, Extremist when, when it had the shot of the pills on the floor and the, yeah. the president said it, and I thought, ooh, that was a bit uh, yeah. near the knuckle. Because, I mean, obviously, you Yeah, because I was, I was getting genuinely worried the doctor was going to say, let's just kill ourselves. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I thought they can't possibly, but they got out of it without having to do that. But, I mean, I thought there was a point where they were tiptoeing right up to that mm-hmm. line. 
Yeah, but I mean, when you you say that, but again, when you think back to Amy's choice, they essentially do that. <laughs> yeah, well, they do it with a van, but but that again, that's that could like be classified as imitatable behaviour. So yeah, but not a kid can't. You know, it's the thing is like if it's because they you know mm. so someone think of the children. Yeah, you know, kid's not gonna go and drive his whole family into of things into a tree. That's true, but it's it's a lot, a lot more realistic than having than, sticks of dynamite. It's a comedy dynamite, yes, yeah. exactly. So you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's I feel like they than... were they were dancing on a rager's edge at some yeah. places here. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if this is going to get a twelve again when they deli- when they put this on DVD. Oh, probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I, I can't see how it it wouldn't. I mean, cause I, I mean, I mean, God forbid we'll have the day where you have like a fifteen certificate uh, Doctor Who box set. Well, yeah. <laughs> what the hell would they have to do well, there? I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's it's sort of the infamous one that I remember. Obviously, the X Files eighteen rated box set when um, for Home. Remember that oh, episode in God. season four? Jeez. It was sort of very grim. The, yeah, the the sort of hillbilly inbred one. <sighs> Um, yeah, it got an eighteen. That yeah. box set with it on. So too right, <laughs> too right. I, I could buy it. I think I had to get my mum to get it because I think I was like fifteen <laughs> when it came out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when you, obviously when they came out on videos. I remember they had obviously the video box set. Yeah. So yeah, I think I had to get my mum to go to H and V and buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, tales from the past. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, Tony Boydell, friend of the show here, um, sent us another message on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, Hi, guys. Well, what to make of Grand Theft Auto then? Hmm, I'm torn between the name of the Rose setup and the Matrix Light reveal. He's quite like the name of the Rose, actually. Mm. That's a, you know, actually, I quite like that. I read the book, it's very good. It's yeah. better than the film, I think. <laughs> um, not a problem uh, per se, but and the missing the box stuff was great. I loved the sarcasm and the whole concept of a civil service of executioners. But God, it was so slow. Plod, plod, plod. Frustratingly turgid. Where the hell were the zippy momentum of old moth favourites like Blink? And making the Doctor blind just seems to hinder everyone and everything. Him, the plot, everything. Nardal was brilliant, though. I... D- I, I somewhat disagree with you on that one. I, I, yeah. I somewhat disagree with you on that one, Tony. Really, um, normally we sort of mostly in the same ballpark, but uh, mm. I didn't find it plodding at all. Actually, yeah. it was one of those things. Like I think the, the, the pace, it kind of it kind of sucked me in. I mean, it is mm-hmm. slower than the previous five. I acknowledge that completely, but um, it 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 kind of sucked me in. I feel yeah. and but uh, again because I'm you know I'm like a conspiracy nerd and a mm-hmm. weird history nerd and these sort of stories are just like my bread and butter. So I was so into it. Yeah. So, so it kind of it kind of didn't bother me in that way. So mm-hmm. it, it was kind of in my butter, butter zone for that sort of thing. But I can see why, especially in comparison to what we've had before, it, it just seemed like not as zippy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't find it slow. I think it's more because I was so entranced by... I mean, well, I have to like, mention like the cinematography of it all. Because I mean, oh, yes. it's brilliantly atmospheric, and it's like the bit where the doctor like partially restores his eyesight, everything's in a slight blur. Mm. Even even like the bits where like it's not from his point of view, everything's sort of like a little bit like like out of focus and all that, and that was like really sort of like nice and atmospheric, and mm. it was like tempered nicely by you know Billy Nardole's just like dotting around just popping through portals and ended up in the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> and all and all that sort of stuff. So um yeah, I can I can see why people would find it slow, but honestly the 
the pacing on this one just didn't bother me at all. No, it was fine for for me. I, I'll be, mm-hmm. I can understand why um, someone might think otherwise. So yeah. Okay, so should we get on with the scores? Yeah, let's. Um, I was so tempted to give this a ten. I was so close mm. to it, but I've got to say, just that the 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 wicked stepmother. Oh yeah. And just a couple of little niggly bits like that, kind mm. of kind of bumped this down to a nine for me it's a strong nine let's oh, not yeah. get me wrong um but there were just a couple of bits that would niggle me sufficiently i couldn't i couldn't really feel like i could give it a 10 yeah um i'm agreed definite nine um, yeah this is like I, I i would go so far to say this is like up there with some of my fat's best work just yeah it really of, like, is the setting and sort of like i say like the the um sort of reveal that's you know, then it's not like the, like the cliche sort of virtual reality episode where they're like stuck in something and they get out. But the fact that, like I said, the, the the characters that we see going through the bulk of the episode are actually just the simulations mm. and and all that. It's just I thought it was like really clever. Like again, I love the cinematography. It was wonderfully atmospheric. I'm just you know yeah nine loved it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Ka- I mean, thing is, then you start. I mean, part of me starts waiting for the other shoes to drop when we're in these situations. Mm. So I hope that they can continue the momentum in episode seven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would hate for them to drop drop a clanger now, yeah. especially like when we've sort of built up so much. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very you know I'm in ways optimistic, but also a bit worried about next episode. So mm. um, yeah, but I can't wait to see it. Yeah, um, yeah, I was gonna say it's the the quality of this series so far. Um, it's uh, it's definitely been uh, been great, and I feel like um, they've sort of made a bit of a breakthrough with the companion doctor relationship. And mm-hmm. yeah, at, at half time, I'm uh, I'm quite pleased. Yes, yeah, I'm very intrigued as to how this is the rest of the series going to turn. I'm really hoping they don't like drop the ball here because yeah. it's it's. I mean, like we say. The, the niggles aside, and there have been like niggles, we can't, you know, yeah. dance around that. But otherwise, it's been a very solid series so far. Um, yeah, very. Yeah. So, if you have any thoughts about extremists, you can send them to us at our regular email address, greatestshowatsimplysyndicated.com, to our Twitter account at greatestshowpod, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash greatestshowpodcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out our sister shows on the network. Simply Syndicate Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000, Masters of None, Do Ask, Do Tell, Bat Channel 66, Here Goes Nothing, Tech It or Leave It, The Seventh Chevron, The Little Pot of Horrors, Reagans and Go-Go Boots, Nerd Hurdles, Making Sense with Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History, For Those About to Rock, Dangerously Unprepared and Starbase 66. As always, we welcome your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of just £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as episodes of the exclusive Simply Everything shows Shaken Not Stirred and Repertoire spin-offs Oh Boy and Trust No One. Simply Syndicated also runs a merchandise store offering apparel and accessories to both Europe and America. You can also support the network through a monthly page on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, take care and bye-bye.